Welcome to Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. <laughs> and Chef Cindy Wolf. And today, oh. we're getting to the end of summer. School's about to start. I know. it's a cra- it's Or has started. It's exciting. Yeah, for some kids, it has started. I love this time of the year. It's a beautiful time. It's already getting cool. It's so pretty outside. Well, and it's it's funny. Like uh, I'm such a pessimist. That August comes. The, fr- the heirloom tomatoes come. Mm-hmm. And I f- immediately think, oh, God, summer's ending. And, it's, and there's and there's and there's like six or seven weeks but, of them to come. Yeah, there's a lot more to come. You know, and mm-hmm. there's, and there's a lot of sauce to make. I mean, that you know, we, that all those operations are going on. We're like in prime <laughs> time. Operations. Oper- they're, they're operations, whether it work or not. You, I've, I've got two little girls. They need tomato sexy. sauce. Okay. Oh well, yeah. Okay. Well, and the thing too, it's just funny because I'm just so ready for fall. And, you know, when we were leaving, you know, sort of winter into spring, we were so ready for spring. We couldn't wait. It's just, you you just, that's the beautiful thing about living in a place that has four seasons because we were so excited for asparagus. I actually, for one of the first times in many years, bought asparagus before we got local asparagus. I mean, it was like a week before, but two weeks before, oh, whatever. Cindy, thou had sinned. Oh, Tony. But yeah, I mean, it was just so, uh, um, that's how we are. We just get so excited for the next new thing, you know, the new what's coming up in the fall. And I was already thinking about how I'm going to do my beef now. You, and you just explained the entire fashion industry and their business model. I'm an artist, of course I did. I mean, we all think the sort of the same. That's way why. That, those, that's that's why you get that paths. you get that catalog that comes, you know, that's <laughs> early fall and it's August seventeenth or something, and you mm-hmm. jump all over. You're like, yes, I need this, mm-hmm. right? No, we just we get excited for change. Changes can be can be good and positive. Oh yeah, I'm just like dying to wear corduroy pants. I I am dying to wear a sweater. I just want to not be hot. <laughs> you want to cook pumpkins now, right? I I. I do. I want pumpkins and pancetta, and you know I don't know why pancetta is like totally on my mind. Ooh, I saw how about someone at Casey the other day. Pancakes with pancetta, uh, and some really good maple syrup, mm-hmm. and maybe some plums or apples and pears. And we'll give you a nice bitter ale for it. Okay, that sounds like fun. I would like that. It's 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 an inspiring time once again because of change and um, really gives you something to look forward to. And okay. also, I mean, this is a great time of the year. We're, we're heading into like like you said, the kids are going back to school and yeah. And, I mean, like the gr- the great eggplants and the are way here that now mm-hmm. when when the peppers have turned color and and not every year we get great peppers and this year so far the peppers of all different kinds have been excellent. Mm-hmm. It's, been it's a like great it, when, season. Yeah, when you when you when you start notching a list of like a successful year, like did all the fruit trees flower and 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 yeah. did the fruit set and that are the quantities of things and when we actually got God blessed pears this year, yeah, because we haven't very well for the last couple of years and mm-hmm. and you know the will we get that second like Indian summer part of the tomato season uh, that that can happen. That's great. And we're like deep in beans because I'm always at the markets. I'm always seeing what is and what isn't happening. Mm-hmm. But now is that eggplant time. 
What's your favorite thing to do with eggplant? There are two things that I like to do. I like to fry it. So what I like to do is I will I will slice it and do a th- just a traditional three-step breading procedure. So it's flour, egg wash, and we use panko. So um, And sometimes when I use panko, I pop it in the food processor to make it a little bit finer. Uh, it can be a little too chunky. I don't like that word, but it's actually perfect for this. Um, so you need it to be a little bit finer. I may just pop it in for maybe even five seconds just to break it up a little bit, or I might crush it with my hands um, or a saute pan on a saute pan. And... Um, uh, what I did the other day, I fried um, some small pieces of chicken at my house the other day for for a dinner I was doing, and uh, I actually added Reggiano to the the. Well, what I did was because I didn't want the Reggiano to stick to the bottom of the pan. Um, I I on one side I did the the regular breading procedure with the breadcrumb, and then on the other side of the chicken, I dipped it in Reggiano first, and then the breadcrumb, or the panko, and um, it did pretty well. I, f- I definitely fried it on the non-cheese side first, and um, flipped it over. The pan was in good shape, and it was the perfect it amount. Yeah, it was a perfect amount of heat, and if you have the right amount of fat, I, my fat came up about halfway up the side of the, I was an, it was an immersed in fat. I was doing shallow, it's called shallow fry, and, um, Half halfway up the side of the chicken and and flipped it over and it, it turned out really well. It was really really good. And I, you you and I had done a, an event, uh, I think the week before together, and you had made this mixture with uh, balsamico and fresh berries. And I made something like that for that chicken. Oh my gosh! And so it was it was balsamico, Stealing my stuff again, raspberries, blackberries, strawberry. I did a brunoise of strawberry, which I didn't mash. I left that as it was and mashed the other fruit in. And I let that sit for about three hours. And um, I'm sure the strawberries just broke right up. Oh my gosh! It was and I and I made. Um, well, yeah, I did steal your idea because you also had suggested fresh dill yogurt for something else. I, I take your ideas yeah. and then I change I them and move them around and put I them know, on other things. I know. That's one of the reasons. <laughs> That's why it's always it's fun, fun to collaborate. Well, collab- yeah. Collaboration is great. I mean, it's always, that's 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 one of the joys We've of cooking. We've been doing that for more than a minute. We have been. And, you know, I did that with, you know, that was the beauty of working for chefs before I became a chef is, is the opportunity to sit down with someone that loves food, cares about food, and sit and throw ideas around. That, to me, is the joy of cooking. Part of the joy of cooking is, you know, collaborating and then coming up with something that two people could have thought of instead of one. And um, yeah, that chicken with the, the I and I haven't, I almost never work with dill. I, I don't know, it's, there's not a reason. Um, it just, I guess, is something I don't often think about. And um, so I did a, a low fat, really good Greek yogurt with fresh dill in. And first of all, my refrigerator smelled absolutely amazing. I just put a bunch, uh big bunch of really beautiful dill in your cooler. I'm glad because I'm going to cure some salmon. You know, that is the traditional way to cure salmon and I usually do basil, but I'm like, you know what? After smelling this and you brought me fresh, I'm going to cure some salmon today with that. Please, shrimp with dill and lemon can be Amazing. Yeah, that w- that's good. Okay, um, but yeah, that that chicken dish was pretty unusual with the dill uh, yogurt and then the macerated fruit in the. And I had that crazy balsamico that's like you know it seems that like it might be old, yeah a hundred thousand yeah. million years old. I mean that stuff is that's like just the price it tag, barely yeah well that's there's that it barely pours out of the container. That's how thick it is and it's so so delicious. But because it's so intense, you only need a very tiny bit of it. So um, it does help a little bit with the cost of it, but. Um, the other thing with eggplant 
And um, this is uh, something I've been doing for a long time and came from Robuchon, who was one of the great French chefs. Um, he makes eggplant caviar. And it's, oh my gosh, again, when the eggplant is just so sweet and beautiful, uh, fresh, you roast it. Um, what I do is I wash it, obviously, any product, any fresh product is washed very well. If it did come um, right out of the ground, obviously you want to rub it with a clean towel. I wouldn't use a, a vegetable brush on something like eggplant because you would damage the skin. So just use a clean wet towel and, and just rub it to make sure that all the dirt is off and then cut it in half lengthwise. And you're going to rub it with corn oil or some sort of neutral oil. It can be canola oil, anything that you like. But it needs to um, – it's going to absorb it like a sponge. It's I mean the, astonishing. The, the, the inside where you yeah. cut it. Yeah, and I do rub a little bit on the skin, but it doesn't absorb it. So it just kind of keeps it a little bit moist. But, um, yeah, don't just let it keep absorbing a massive amount of oil, but just, just make sure that it is co- completely coated, the inside of the eggplant. Uh, lightly salt it. And Robichon used to stud his with, um, would just cut little holes in, you know, little slits, excuse me, in the um, eggplant and would put slices of garlic in. I don't do that, but that's certainly something you could do. And then you roast it um, flesh side down on a rack on a roasting pan. And I would suggest a piece of parchment paper or foil on that roasting pan just so that you, um, you know, don't have a lot to clean up and roast it at 350 degrees until it's tender, which what that to me means, the best way to check that is you put your hand in the oven and you just sort of lightly, you know, touch the top of the eggplant. And as you feel it starting to cave in, you know that you're pretty darn close because you want it to be pretty soft. And it's usually, I would say, for a... a, You're just getting rid of all that water. Yeah, a regular eggplant. I'm not not one of those, not a baby eggplant or a neon or any of the new special varieties because those are smaller, but a regular eggplant, um, I would say about 15 minutes and 350... 350 degrees with convection oven on and um, and then let it cool down and then remove it from the skin and get everything you can out of the skin um, and try and pull out as many seeds as you can but don't kill yourself over that and then um, and then that goes into a pot and I put a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of butter in the pot warm that and use a wooden spoon and sort of beat it around in the pot to break it up a bit and it's cooking on low heat becoming even more delicious you can add this is where I add garlic and I use butter poached garlic because I like garlic to be sweet and pretty and fine Um, a little bit of uh, fresh lemon juice salt and pepper and then take that out once you kind of like the texture it tastes really great and then and once it's cooled down a bit, add a little bit of just a little bit of mayonnaise to it. And oh my goodness, it's so good. But eggplant caviar, it's one of my favorite things. It's really nice with a lot of things. That's Lamb, good. Yeah, that's, fish. that's that's not a Megan Miles from Caponata mm-hmm. um, as far as how the finished product sort of ends up. It's just, I mean, Sicilian Caponata has a lot, a lot of ingredients. I mean, that, and the sweet and sour thing is particular. That's something that's nice to make. You can preserve it in jars. Which is yeah, nice, yeah, uh, because of the acid content that's there, it it does just fine, and and that's great to have around for bruschetta, uh, you know, just grill a little toast and and uh, give it a little extra virgin when you put the the canela of the caponato on top of that. It's but always nice to preserve a little bit of summer. It's funny, I, the the way I learned to make that is is uh, someone who didn't want to lean into the oven, so instead of roasting the eggplant on hmm. top, uh, in, in the oven. Um, skin them, um, split them, cut them into just like big cubes, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, plenty of oil in the pan. Just roast them in the pan like a big crusade or a stove, you know, cast iron, sure. uh, ceramic lined. 
and uh, roast them until you reduce the volume, just like by maybe by half. Mm-hmm. You know, lightly salted. So you, you're kind of getting to the same place where you have caviar that's that have caviar that you have eggplant that's much more uh, malleable and tender to, to begin it's to tender. break up mm-hmm. and tender, and it's begun to caramelize a little bit. And it's absorbed that good oil and probably salt at yeah. this point, I guess. In, yeah, exactly. In a separate pan, um, even larger you and very heavy, you want to have plenty of, uh, like if you're using, say, if you're putting some up, maybe you're putting six eggplants in there, you're probably doing two good-sized onions, an entire clove of, uh, mm-hmm. an entire head of garlic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fresher, the better. And, uh, and maybe six ribs of celery. Oh, you put celery in? Huh. It's crazy how much it changes, how fresh and attractive it, it, it really fixes the balance on it. So all of this is in a large dice? This is No, this is, this is all pretty pieces. Fu- brunoise, really. Oh, oh now uh, you're so, fine. Okay. So you, 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 you want all that to, to sweat and sweat and sweat, and you've seen that kind of reduce a little bit. That's when you go in with the eggplant. Once the eggplant starts to reduce even a little bit in that, then you're going to add... For as many eggplants as you have in there, you're going to add the flesh of one crushed Roma tomato, let's say. Mm-hmm. That's probably the, probably the most consistent thing to use. And incorporate that, and that'll begin breaking up. Just the acid and that will start help breaking up the eggplant more and more. And then it's chopped green olives, capers, a little bit of dried oregano, more salt and pepper. And then towards the end, once the volume's really started to reduce some, and it really breaks up like with a, like a big wooden spoon. Mm-hmm. Once the volume really begins to reduce more, uh, and you and you you see the color begin to get a little browner and a little more caramelized, and it smells sweeter. Uh, then then you go ahead and add. I do a little sprinkle of sugar, but I do honey. I cheat and use sherry vinegar instead of red wine vinegar. Okay. Because that has a little bit of a sweet tone, also. What kind of olives do you put in? Uh, like Cerignola or um, you know Castelvetrano, green Italian olives. Green olives, okay. Yeah, but but fine. And uh, and what happens is that between the seeds and the capers and the the, the little you know fine fine dice of the olives, you see those little bits and and uh, usually red pepper or yellow pepper. Something is going to hold its color a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one good sized one of those guys in there. But and everything's pretty generous if you if you're doing that. But you. The best thing to do with that is cook it, let it cool in the pot, put it in the fridge. Next day, so much better. When it's cold, add a little olive oil, extra version, incorporate that. And what do you like to serve that with? I mean, fish, like grilled fish, uh, swordfish, tuna. I can say branzino with that. Branzino, uh, orata, durad. Mm-hmm. Something with French a lot name. of flavor. Yeah. yeah, fish with a lot of flavor, great with that. Swordfish would be great uh, with that. Lamb, like you said. I mean, yeah, just definitely lamb. Slow-roasted lamb. Honestly, a lamb burger with a little caponato on that <laughs> and a little bit of feta. Oh, yeah. It's pretty oh, great. I love feta cheese. But honestly, I like it the best is just uh, on a bruschetta. Just grill the little, like, the old baguette slices and brush them with oil. Give them caponata. And you can garnish with anything that's inside of it. You know, another like another couple pieces of green olive or a little oil from Calabrian chili can be great. Yeah, that sounds good. When we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, we're going to talk a little more about cooking for the season. I'm just back from the UK. We'll talk about pub food a bit uh, because there's a significant change in how that's happening. And we'll do a little bit of malt whiskey primer because, frankly, I was on vacation and uh, there was some sampling done. All of that and more on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine on WIPR. 
Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're talking about cooking at the end of the summer season. Mm-hmm. And we spent a bunch of time on eggplant because whether it's the sexiest thing in the world or not, we it is, like it. it's the time and it's we good. like to eat it and we're going to tell you how to cook it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's also nice for all those wines you want at the end of the summer, you know. Well, That's, wine? I mean, rose, the lighter Sangiovese, you know, vino noble de Montepulciano. Or even little simple uh, Chianti Colisanesi or something like that. So I'm back from the UK, and I kind of dread. It's been five years since I've been there, and I kind of dreaded based on some of the food that was available the last time. Okay. What was going to be cooked? And I try to be more careful about choosing places to go, but in general, I found fresh fish much more often. I mean, there's. I mean, it's an island. They're surrounded. There should be on a constant basis, but I saw that much more often. Uh, a number of different pubs had like a chalkboard menu, but also a list of suppliers for like these are the watermen that bring us our oh, that's great. our cod or our haddock, and some of that like flexibility in menu, some of that awareness of seasonality is really interesting to see it move in to that culture because even five years ago it wasn't there. And I know a, a lot of Americans like to visit the UK, and I just thought that was super encouraging. Were the preps pretty straightforward, or were they largely, okay. largely? Mm-hmm. And that my my five year old, I mean, Dell, she was on the fish and chip store. One, she loves fish, but we kept having excellent ones in different places. That's great. A place in Oxford had a great one. Um, a, a little the, the Mason Arms, the name the name of the place. Uh, a little pub all the way up in Northumberland hmm. uh, called the Red Lion hmm. had really spectacular fish, not just fish and chips, but uh, beautiful halibut. Uh, we had uh, beautiful sole, uh, unsurprisingly. Right, yeah. Um, Dover. I mean, and, and simple preparations. And what you would think of, honestly, is probably a little more French for the most part. Okay. But but very simple, you know, bistro-y. That, that just, I didn't see that happening five years ago. It's interesting that it's changed. The coolest thing is all the natural product that I saw, especially in Scotland five years ago, that was available. Like, I was really like, oh, my God, I want to rent a house, and I just want to go to markets and get food and cook because the lobsters are spectacular, the lamb spectacular, the, the beef was spectacular. Uh, there's there's all kinds of, like, really beautifully made um, bacon. and the, Yeah, they and, have beautiful farm product. But all the vegetables as well were impressive. But you would like you would order a salad with, with rocket, you know, that's what they're calling arugula, mm-hmm. and it would be beautiful and dressed just in some weird sweet. You mean before dressing before? Yeah. Okay. And it was just it was really clean the way it was done. It was like a little grapefruit vinaigrette and rocket and uh, good. Oh, I'm glad. And, and I'm little glad local to, cheese. Yeah, it was. I'm glad it, you enjoyed the food. I mean, it's a big part of traveling, obviously, and. Yeah, it's funny. I think that they've taken a lot of their trends from 
what's been happening in the U.S. Uh, as far sounds like it. as far as the emphasis for everybody was on well, this is local, this is the cheese from the area. This is in the one pub <laughs> that their supplier for cheese and ice cream was Doddington. <gasps> Oh, that's Doddington, one of my favorite Doddington cheeses. Dairy is <laughs> and your, one of your favorite cheeses. And huh. yeah, well, you you know that was the Ooh. one food product I wanted to eat after one um, yes. one, one difficult surgery. Yes, and and I mean it's spectacular cheese. They make ice I learned in this them. pub. Mm. Well, one, the ice cream is great, I, just great, because they have their own cows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. and so that we, we we had the ice cream. I got a plate of all of their cheese. They make a light blue mm. that's remarkable. Oh, it's, yeah. They make a smoked I cheese. I wish we could get it. It's almost like here. a chowder mm-hmm. that is remarkable. And, of course, the one that's sort of like that almost cross between a, a cheddar and a Reggiano uh, that, that, that I, you know, I love so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- all of those on this plate, was, it was just amazing. That's great. So I called the next day. Okay. So I called the dairy. And... I asked, is it possible to, to visit and and see what you're doing? She said, nope. <laughs> yeah, I got all excited there for a second. I'm like, oh, you I did was, not go I was there. Very, oh, so, well, I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> found the Holy Grail and I drank from it. <laughs> well, at least you got to eat it. <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't touch it. You couldn't touch the you Holy know? Grail. Yeah. Ooh, so, but she's, I, but she's you, brilliant. You, you want that blue. Oh, yes, you want I that certainly blue. do. My goodness. Yeah. Well, Dr. Her, Neil she, has, she has great talent. Maybe not in diplomacy, but great <laughs> talent. It's a, but it's a, it's a small family farm. Well, that's Dot- what Neil's Yard is for. Yeah. They're the ones that distribute the products so that the farmers can do what they do, which is, you know, handle the animals, keep the land up, and make the great product. Well, what, one of the differences also in the last five years, they've figured out we have some of the best cheese in the world. They certainly do. And, and, the, and all different kinds yeah. and from all kinds of milk. Yes. Um, they had a couple of things that were like mixed milk. Uh, that were preserved in brine, a little bit like feta. Okay. That were super interesting. Yeah, I'd like to go on a cheese tour of the British Isles. That would well, be... you'd have to have a lot more beer than you'd want to have. <laughs> Maybe I'll grow to like it. I, I had really nice fresh beer, and 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 uh, from you <laughs> know literally, you know the pub making its own terrific that's, stuff. That's great. Yeah. So that that was impressive. I that just w- like the impressive. idea. I like the word pub. I mean, I just, I, I, that just sounds so cozy and, you know, old world and fun and happy and well, the other good. Name, you know, the other name for those places is free house. It's not just public house, but free house. Hmm. So the further north you go, the more often you'll see things identified as a free house. That's and interesting. And not as a pub or public yeah, house. I, did, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, cool. and I and I did spend a little bit of time sampling a little bit of the product from Slightly north of Northumberland, <laughs> and a lot north of Northumberland, uh, okay. some malt whiskeys, and and whiskey's been a giant thing in the U.S. Mm-hmm. in the, the last what five ten years. Uh, mm-hmm. The trend has been crazy. Twenty, how long ago did we open Savannah? Twenty five years ago. Twenty four. So when we opened, Pete Keck and I, we tasted a bunch of different bourbons, and people were wondering why we had an interest in bourbon. And well, we, we had because we, you like to drink we, it. We did like to drink it <laughs> and, and do. You like the way it but tastes. We, exactly. It was, we, we found it interesting, and and fun to taste and fun to mix with and all that sort of stuff. And and we had a pretty good array of bourbons at that time, and we bought this one that was a little more expensive than some, but it wasn't crazy. It was maybe 
25 years ago, I think it was $40 wholesale or, you know, $38 wholesale or for something. For a bottle. Mm-hmm. For a bottle. Um, called Pappy Van Winkle, <laughs> which has become this crazy cult thing. Yeah. And at the time, wow. we liked it, and we... we and we would drink it some, but there are other things we liked more, you know, more at the time, and and it's just it's craziness. Mm-hmm. I mean, for charity, I donated a bottle from the wine shop from, you know, for for charity this past winter, at, for an auction item. For an auction item, mm-hmm. and they got three thousand dollars for Ooh. that bottle of whiskey. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! Which is slightly more than the thirty-eight that we paid twenty-five years ago. That's, <laughs> yeah, a little bit more. It's, it's amazing. Why is this craze happening? What do you think? What do you attribute it to? I, I think that spirits and beers, which are the two categories that have kind of grown so much, are touchable and are makeable in the large majority of the country. And as we become more and more locavore, I mean, Baltimore, there's all kinds of distilleries now. Yeah, yeah. And there are many cool. breweries like that were, you know, 80, 100 years I ago. I love that. Hmm. It gives you a bit of... Uh, a proprietary feeling about the products from your area, just like when I was just in the UK, that you know that there's cheese from only one farm yeah. in the pub. It's not that there's cheese from every, you know that there's excellent stuff from other places, but the fact that they happen to have a farm that produces some of the best in the world, yeah, for sure, down the road doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, there the whiskey is very different, and I was trying to think of as as I watched the the sales of. Scotch whiskey and single malt whiskey has been pretty consistent and has has grown a tiny little bit, but nothing like uh, bourbon and rye and other kinds of uh, and white whiskey and all all the various other American products. How is how are those different? The Scotch the, whiskey from the bourbon. Well, I mean the the, the the flavors. You think about it. That corn is the most important ingredient in in, in bourbon whiskey, right? Mm-hmm. Corn when you eat corn or like cornbread sweet. Sure. You know, it finishes sweet. Bourbon whiskey is going to have something that connotes sweetness to it. Okay. Rye whiskey, like if you have rye bread, (laughs) is a little bit spicier. That's just part of its nature, Mm -hmm. you know. It it has a little bit more guttural flavor and it's a little bit spicier. Mm Mm-hmm. Malt whiskey from Scotland is from barley. Right. Barley, but one, barley is a little rougher and two, it's malted barley you know, so it has it already has a little more complex life cycle even before you, you know, ferment it and still it, and so, and it ends up getting you know cooked on peat fires and as with this amazing water from all over different places. I mean, that's really the the terroir in Scotland. I mean, the recipe for the whiskey is pretty much the same everywhere. It's just a matter of how long you keep it in a cask. And what is the water that goes in there? Because all whiskey is cut with water. Okay. To get it to a proof level that's reasonable, there's very little cask strength. Not all, but there's very little cask strength. And the, where do the whiskey? Where do the casks come from? Is that something well, that's ma- local? Many or? different places. Okay. A lot of times, used bourbon barrels are used in Scotland. <laughs> but we like the vanilla flavor on the whiskey made, you know, in, in Kentucky and Tennessee and other places in the U.S. We like that vanilla flavor. And it builds on that natural sweetness sort of finish of the corn. So that, you know, we're, we're making something that, that we have a sweet palate. Yes. You know, we're, yep. the, we're the world capital of soda pop. You know, that's, and there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. 
And it, that's why it's exploded, because people have really played and played with that. And they made a lot of cocktails with that. And cocktails are fun to drink and interesting. And again, it, it goes down to something being handcrafted by someone, even right in front of you in a place like that cocktail. That, that's where a lot of growth has been, because wine has been relatively consistent. And a lot of the spirit categories have been relatively consistent. Gin has actually grown in the U.S. and tequila as well. And those also can be, you know, very small individual producer type products. The thing with malt whiskey that I find particularly fascinating, in one in general, it's a savory flavor. So a little bit like sherry compared to other wine, um, it it's always going to finish clean. Hmm. So it, it doesn't it doesn't lean in that sweet direction. I mean it, that. And it's going to be a little bit more complex. And the water that's that's there is all, especially when you get north in the islands, you know, to Isla or or Sky, that that, that water is closer to seawater that they're using, and can be almost brackish. And that's something that's apparent. You know, there's so you some. You feel the saltiness. You feel the salinity for sure. Salinity, okay. And and you and you can smell the smoke in different ways. Huh. You know, and taste that as well. So there's a difference between having a piece of cornbread, you know, with vanilla and having some, having, you know, got a, a smoked sea serpent coming off the barbecue. Right. You know. Got it. And, and how do you develop a taste for that? Because to me, that's just unbelievably different. For me, because I like bourbon, but I've, I found as time has gone along, I, I want that complexity of the malt whiskey. And when when you taste, and maybe part of it's being a, a very wine-centric person and liking the taste of individual places and being able to spot, mm-hmm. you know, like on the airplane, someone gave me a, the random Merlot from Italy. I'm like, oh, that's from Sicily. Well, I know what it tastes like when you grow Merlot. Like, you know what I mean? That's, 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 it's in my data. So sure. I, I find it an interesting exercise to, to find those flavors. And then you find the things that please you. You know, do you like... The various Highland whiskeys. Do you like the ones from the islands? Do you like Campbelltown? Do you like uh, Speyside? I mean, there's so many distilleries in Speyside. Or do you do you like an array of them? I mean, some things like Island whiskeys. I like after a meal. They're stronger. They're they're that like that last that sort of nail in the coffin. That 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 strongest flavor. Mm-hmm. That smokiest, briniest. Um, you know, and and often you'll see the relatively dark whiskey uh, with those, and then sometimes you see things in, in Speyside or or Campbelltown or places in the Highlands. You find much more mellow, almost like heathery floral things that smell a little bit like hay. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that very very different. And there's a huge range of those things, but those whiskeys are nice before a meal. How do you drink? And they're, and they're not so much for mixing. That's what I was just going to say. How do you drink them? Do you drink them just in a glass, or do you put ice in there, or ice and water, or what? Or is it just everybody does whatever they want, or how does that work? Mostly, I mean, now, scotch that's blended whiskey doesn't have the strong flavors of the individual malts. They they have some they have lowland whiskey in them as well as sort of being spiked with different flavors. That there's like a house recipe, like if you. If you uh, buy a bottle of Dewar's, the distillery is in Aberfeldy, which is a town in the Highlands, but not a whole lot of the whiskey comes from there. But the malt that they use is from there, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
the individual malted whiskeys are big, strong individual flavors from those places. And usually that's what you want. So the, the blended whiskey is the one that you would have a scotch and soda or some, you know, something along with a lemon peel or something, and, and it's a little more refreshing, a summertime kind of thing. Mulled whiskey, like November comes, you give up on the weather, you want to be inside and be warm. Something savory and contemplative that has has body and, and uh, punch to it is more interesting, I think. And then you just drink it straight because you want to warm up. You drink it, well, or, or cut with water, 50-50, or with even just a tiny little bit. Or the thing that a lot of uh, aficionados would tell you is that if you put, and I find it to be true, if you put just a drop of cold water, even just like hold an ice cube and let a couple, a drop or two melt and go into the whiskey, the aromatics of it change entirely. That's amazing. It's a little bit like the canning wine. So it's been sleeping in the bottle. It was sleeping in the cask. And it's there. And now you've upset it. Now you woke it up. <laughs> now he's going to holler. You know? That's yeah, cool. He, now he's, now he's going to have something to say. Hmm. You know? And God, God help you if you can understand the accent. <laughs> anyway, when we come back on Foreman of Wolf on Food and Wine, we'll talk a little more seasonal food, and we will get into a chef's challenge. Hope you're ready, Send. I am. All of that and more on WIPR. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're talking about cooking at this time of the year. School's about to start. Mm-hmm. And we give you a long diatribe about eggplant. <laughs> How you're supposed to be cooking it. What else are you cooking, Cindy? What else are you looking forward to uh, besides all the pumpkins and stuff that you wish were in your future sooner but are not They're yet? They're not. You know, I think, well, we started to get... When you brought me Honeycrisps, wasn't that early? I no, felt like not that... a lot. They are spectacular. Oh, Honeycrisp apples. Oh, they're so good. And we, um, I, well, I like to do them with birds. So I was thinking about um, with the pluots that you said you brought me uh, this weekend, um, you know, a little bit of fruit and fruit with the with the magre is just so good and oftentimes when you know we still are we still getting nectarines because we had nectarines no. last week okay no though I, I got beautiful pluots okay so that's we'll just cut you know with something like that i i firmly believe that they're just incredible when they're sweet and gorgeous they're just nice the way they are uh so what i might do is make a condiment sort of thing or a relish or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it with the apples instead and cook those down because they will discolor and um so, you know, maybe have slices of the pluots and uh, lay those out on the plate, fan them out, and um, and then with the apples, make a compote with a little bit of uh, fresh lime juice. And I think I'd, I'd really like to use a little bit of sugar just to sort of get it started and let it work. Don't make the lime so strong that it, it, it shines through too far. And then add apple brandy to it. 
and really cook it down. And um, I would peel the apple skins off and I would probably do a, a like a medium dice of the apple so that it, I don't want it to break down too much, but I do want it to cook and sort of all the flavors to start to marry together. And um, I would flum, flambe it with the, uh, with the apple brandy and... Um, and then you have something that has a different tone from the pluot on the plate and then add a little bit of reduction. Uh, and uh, maybe the reduction would get a little bit of fresh rosemary just to give it something that's completely different and it still all pulls together. Because I really like rosemary with apples. Um, it's not something that I, I, I don't think you you know immediately think of. We think of cinnamon and, and beautiful earthy spices like that with um, apples. And, and I really, really love Rosemary and actually, I like cilantro with apples too. Hey, what's awfully good to do with those apple skins you just peeled off? Mm-hmm. Eat them. Well, f- <laughs> fry them in a beignet batter. Oh yeah, that would be fun. That can be really, really. Oh my nice. gosh, I think any anything in beignet batter is good. But yes, well, so apple cider. <laughs> apple cider is coming, and apple cider donuts. Oh well, that's one of my favorite sauces to make. Is with apple cider. I reduce it down. I'll take a gallon and reduce it down to half a it's cup. It's not here yet, though. It's not here. All right. Well, when it gets here. When it gets here. I will be making a reduction sauce That's, with apple no, cider. You're still oh, making crab cakes, it. right? You get a nice crab meat. Oh, my gosh. We're still getting corn. And I just started making crab cakes with corn. and I, uh, So a corn and crab cake. Oh, my gosh. They're so dangerous. <laughs> but, so, yeah, they're so good. I have a slaw for you to go with that. Okay. Those honey crisp apples. Mm-hmm. The beautiful sweet peppers we're getting right now. Okay. A um, little bit of arugula. It's kind of mature-ish. And and some of the summer cabbage that's coming right now. Yeah, I I make it make a slow with those guys and and maybe chili pepper of your choice. And I like that kind of thing with salmon too. Yeah, I love that with salmon. We we used to do a napa cabbage slaw for our crab cakes, and I, it really is one of my favorite. I just, you know, mayonnaise, whole grain mustard, a little bit of fresh lemon, a little bit of lemon, a little bit of salt, a little bit of Tabasco, um, and you know, you you want to make something like that and serve it um, because you still want the cabbage to be. St- crunchy. Um, but yeah, that with um, crab cake and corn is really good too. But yeah, I like what you just said. And I don't very, think very much. Use the, the one that I said with the honey crisp apple, the sweet pepper and the cabbage, I don't think you need uh, mayo in that kind of thing. No, you, no. You, mm-hmm. you essentially make like a, a slightly sweet vinaigrette with uh, a really gentle vinegar like rice wine vinegar or... Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah, and salmon loves things like that. You know, salmon's nice yeah. and fatty. You're doing something that's bright and crisp and fresh and, you know, as you said, doesn't have the mayonnaise in it. And, yeah, a little bit of vinegar with the salmon, mm, that would be really, really Do yummy. a couple of blistered uh, padron peppers on the plate or oh, shishitos. Russian roulette. I love those things, those yeah. padrones. It's so exciting that we're getting this. It is literally. Russian roulette. So oh, if boy. Pe- if people you never don't know. know. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether they're red or green. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing. And the heat stays you pretty similar. And then all of a sudden you're eating this thing. But about one in 10 <laughs> is going to get you. <laughs> and it gets you in a serious way. Yeah, because you can just eat them. Eat them, eat them, eat them. Oh, they're yeah. so good. But then you get that it's one, one and you're the, like, oh, what just happened? It's one of the best tapas, you know. <laughs> yeah. You just get a plate of them. Like, bl- <laughs> you blister them. And you, and you dress them for a second and put oh, a little crunchy salt on them. I love them. I love, I'll never forget the first time we went to Spain and we were. I could see that room we were sitting in in that restaurant upstairs. We just had a gorgeous plate of Iberico ham and then they brought out the Padron peppers and I didn't know that. I didn't know. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you. Of course you weren't. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm sweet like These are that. so good. They were so good. And then you get that one and you're like, oh, I might be it's just able in case to not, not eat just ever in again. case you're not paying attention. <laughs> but anyway, so we have them locally, which is great. We do. We do. They, we did, they didn't used and to paprika, grow those. Well, last... That's th- new. 
right? I mean, there's at least one. If I mean, I know who I get them from. Mm -hmm. There's at least one, if not two or three people who are growing them. That's so great. Um, And in some quantities so far this year. That's it's very exciting what's going on locally. You know, I'll give you something extremely local and exciting. Oh, okay. A chef challenge. All right. All right. So we talked about changing (laughs) changing our ground rules slightly, right? Yes. We're going to try to keep the limit of we're going to do eight ingredients, Mm -hmm. limited pantry. And limited basics, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, and and each one of us will call the other when we think that the other has stepped out of bounds on what they <laughs> think they have in their pantry <laughs> or their spice rack. Okay, all right. You know, all right. I'm growing amaranth in my garden. No, no, you can't okay. have that. You can't. All right. Okay. okay. All right. Is there so, a situation with this chef challenge? Yeah. Situation is you are cooking for teenagers. Oh, all right. You have a friend with three teenagers. <laughs> okay. Yes. And you have no grill available to you. Okay. I'm so cooking at my house. A friend, uh-huh. three teenagers, no grill, no more than one bottle of wine for you and the friend to get through the <laughs> dinner with the three teenagers. <laughs> That's okay? fine. <laughs> All right. I don't know. All right. Rainbow trout, red peppers, arugula, Canadian bacon, mayonnaise, avocado, canola oil, cumin. Okay. Uh, oh, I love Canadian bacon. All right. So that trout's going to really like Canadian bacon. Mayonnaise. Well, obviously, I'm making an, a cumin mayonnaise. So I would um, toast You're the- obviously making a cumin mayonnaise? Well, obviously. Um, just a little bit of cumin in the mayonnaise because a lot of, you know, cumin goes far fast. Are you going to toast those cumin I'm going to toast the cumin seeds, grind them up in a mortar and pestle, add a little bit of salt, kosher salt to it while I'm grinding it, and then that will, that will flavor that mayonnaise. And um, I actually like the idea- of adding a brunoise of avocado to that mayonnaise. I think that would be really yummy. And um, You can kind of whip it in, make it smooth. And mm-hmm. And then um, I just love avocado. And, and you're going to have to watch your salt. <laughs> you and the rest of the United States. <laughs> Good. I like that. And the arugula, um, that's easy. I'm going to sit the trout on that after I saute it in the corn oil. Canola. Sorry, you gave me canola oil. Uh, The Canadian bacon, I like the idea of sort of a julienne of Canadian bacon for the trout. And um, the red peppers julienned as well. Uh, Saute the bacon in the pan first with the canola oil. Um, I would dump out or I would lose some of the fat from the pan. You don't want too much fat in there after it starts to, you know, uh, render a bit. And then add... um, the red peppers. And if you want, you could, at the very end, leave whole pieces, leave the arugula, wash it, leave it whole, and toss that into the pan so you would have julienne red peppers, julienne Canadian bacon, and arugula with the trout on top. Actually, that's what I'm going to do. And then the uh, avocado cumin mayonnaise on top. Okay. No grill. I sauteed it. And the teenagers, I I hope, will like it. You think they will? Oh, uh, yeah. I believe that anyone will like anything if it's made well, and it's fresh and wholesome. And I may be naive. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm going to bring you some teenagers to drop them at your house. Okay. Thank All you. Right. No, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> let me see this. So we have uh, basics in the pantry. We discussed that already. And this situation is is that you are camping. And when I don't know. When would I ever camp? I don't, I, you are now. You're camping and you when have I w- that to work with. When I was like eight years old, I had a fantasy of camping. And then I went outside and I realized this is not reasonable. <laughs> There are no beds. <laughs> I want to go Where camping. Where is the bathroom? I wish I wish I had I wish we had, you know I think it would have been fun to have gone camping when you were kids. I, I wish Where we had had Where is my that. wine cellar? <laughs> oh, None of those things right. are available. Speaking of camping. fancy. Yeah, come on. Uh-huh. All right. All right. Hey, Let's you go, need buddy. The basics. You're camping now. You need now. the basics in life. You're camping. All right. 
I'm camping now. And I don't you you're gonna have to figure out how to get the fire going. Oh that that's what I wanna see. I'm <laughs> gonna Tony. call a guy. That's what I'm <laughs> gonna, gonna do. You're gonna call a guy. You gotta go over to that's the next campsite, give them your wine everyone and say, has, Hey, can I use your your grill situation? Everyone has over different there? skills. Negotiating is one of mine. <laughs> All right. Um let's see. Ground beef, local tomato heirlooms. Uh trevizo, which is a kind of ridiculous that looks longer like a Belgian endive. Uh pancetta. That's funny. Yeah. That's, That's all, all that back bacon all the time. Canadian bacon and I gave you pancetta. Uh, arugula, garlic, onion, Okay, we macaroni. both gave each other arugula. That's macaroni, huh? Macaroni. Go Tony. Cheddar. Go Tony. All right. By the way, real quick, about <laughs> Canadian bacon. So in the UK, all back bacon all the time. So when you order bacon. Oh, So Del, uh-huh. my five-year-old, she gets bacon. She's like, Dad, this isn't bacon. It's wiggly. <laughs> so cute. Um, all right. So ground ground beef. I mean, what am I? Mm-hmm. Am I making sloppy joes or something? <laughs> sloppy Joe Roney. Well, it's up to you, Tony. What are you making? I guess so. And uh, how are you cooking it? Since you're over a campfire. I'm over a campfire. Uh huh. I guess I have one cast iron skillet. You do. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to run to that. Uh-huh. The Canadian bacon, uh-huh. or the and create the, the some pancetta, fat. rather, create some fat, brown that beef for that hamburger you're gonna make. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm basically gonna make a hamburger helper. Oh no! Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, I gave you macaroni. So I'm, I, yeah, I'm gonna ma- I'm gonna make all that. S- I'm gonna make a, a meat sauce with that and the tomato, uh, the garlic and onion. So first, I'm gonna sweat the garlic and onion a little bit of the of the fat. And pull that, and then I'll round the beef in it, and everything's going to go back in there, <laughs> and reduce with the tomato. Are you going to go down to the creek to get the water to cook the macaroni? I guess I'm going to have to, aren't I? God bless. Is it brackish water? Will it be? <laughs> well, how much will I have to adjust my salt? <laughs> Jesus. Um, all right. So that uh, yeah, I'm going to have to cook the macaroni in the the creek water. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I'm not downstream from any bad people. And uh, and then when that is done, the creek water. <laughs> when that is done, yeah, I'm going. I'm going to make my hamburger helper. And uh, I'm going to chop up the arugula. I'm going to chop up the trevizo. Uh, can I have a little bit of vinegar for the trevizo? Yes. Because I'm going to pickle that very slightly, and add a little cayenne pepper to it. Uh, the cheddar. I'm going to. I guess I can use my Bowie knife to chop it up. <laughs> and grate it on the tread of my boot. Okay. Something like oh, that. I hope you don't do that. Yeah, you but can that, just slice it. That and that and the arugula and slice the, and uh, dice. And the uh, the, the little there. spicy pickled trevizo will be uh, the garnishes for my hamburger helper. So there. Okay, the question is: Do you have your pink pants on when you're doing this? Probably not. <laughs> no, nor the nor the Nantucket red ones. <laughs> the red ones. Hey, you they know. kind of seem pink to me, but yeah, I guess they are red. All right. Well, that's, that's fun. Happens. That was good. Good sport, Tony. So, Tony, what 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 are we going to drink with all this fun food that we just made? I oh. like especially. Let's start with the camping, the oh, macaroni. With the camping. Mm-hmm. Well, I I would definitely have tucked a bottle of whiskey of some sort into my, <laughs> which is uh, the ideal accompaniment for a fancy hamburger helper. There you go. I and we'll do well with those little spicy Treviso pickles. Good. I think that that's a good camping yeah. situation. And maybe and maybe a, a gentle malt whiskey. How, well, how cold is it outside? It's cool outside. It's cool outside. Because I know you wouldn't go camping if it was hot so, outside. So, no. Mm-mm. It's really Mm-mm. bugs. Mm-mm. 
Mm. It's going to be cold enough to settle the bugs down. And what am I drinking with the three teenagers as and my friend? As much as you probably can. <laughs> the, um, I mean, I would drink a nice Pinot Blanc from Alsace in a heartbeat. Uh, either one from Henri Fuchs. Uh, and how do you spell that, Tony? F-U-C-H-S. Okay, good. The fine gentleman that he is is also a talented winemaker, and the wine is priced very reasonably. There are any number of excellent producers in Alsace. And if you can find a 16, the vintage is really good. Okay, good. But that that might get you through there. All right. Well, I think that's all we have time for. And luckily, there's nothing else tricky for me to spell. <laughs> if you want to download this program or any one of our other podcasts, please go to the WIPR website, WIPR.org. Look for the Foreman Wolf page, and there's a full menu of goodies there for you. If you want to correspond, email us foremanwolf at wypr.org. If you want to follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media, you can follow me on Facebook as Chef Cindy Wolf and on Instagram as Chef Wolf. Instagram for me is the real Tony Foreman. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great Sunday.